Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. There's no place for comparison. The fact that I'm in pain does not invalidate your pain experience. And the fact that you are in pain does nothing to minimize mine or discredit mine. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So today we're going to talk about a topic we all deal with, but maybe need to understand better. And the topic is pain. Those who experience ongoing pain know all too well that it reaches far beyond the physical body. Pain is felt emotionally, it's felt spiritually, relationally, and even financially for many people. And while healing can seem very far away, the tenderness of God's love is near. Having personally experienced the trials and the hardship of physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual pain, my guest, Dr. Michelle Bankson, gives hope and help through her podcast, her social media channels, and also in her new book, The Hem of His Garment, Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms. As a board-certified clinical neuropsychologist, Michelle offers a unique expertise that combines years of clinical study with deep biblical application to give readers and those that will be listening today a more holistic understanding of their pain and their place in God's family. Welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast, Michelle. Thank you, Jill. Boy, when we're talking about pain, we are definitely talking about No More Perfect. (laughs) Isn't it the truth? We are. This imperfect life that we live comes with pain. And sometimes it is, you know, I know you've dealt with a lot of physical pain as you've had a lot of uh, physical issues, but uh, we deal with spiritual, emotional pain, all of that. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you Uh, wrote your most recent book because, you know, when I saw the subtitle on it, uh, Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms, I was like, that is a subject that I want to make sure that we talk about on the podcast. So I was so uh, glad to see the book. I think it's important topic. So thanks for being willing to join me. You know, it's my honor. Coming on and sharing with your audience is just one of the many ways that I see that God redeems pain. 
And mm-hmm. so if we can encourage your audience that, you know, God is not cruel. He suffers along with us when we suffer, but he doesn't waste it. Hopefully, yes. hope and encouragement. Yes, exactly. He doesn't. He doesn't waste it at all. And he is the comforter. And um, we grow to know God in a different way um, when we begin to understand the different uh, persons of who he is. And, you know, I know, you know, probably the most physical pain that I've ever been through was, you know, my breast cancer. And I will say, I look back on that and that was uh, a season of getting to know God as the comforter in a, a very, very powerful way. So talk to us about uh, kind of your journey and ultimately why this topic is really important to you. When I was three years old, I came down with a life-threatening illness at a fever of 107, and doctors were incredibly concerned that if we didn't get that fever down, that I would either die or be mentally impaired the rest of my life. So my parents did all the things that doctors suggested, ice baths and alcohol rubs and all the things, and nothing worked. And doctors didn't know what was wrong. They just Mm -hmm. knew that this illness was like polio or like Rye syndrome, but it didn't fit the profile for either one. So they told my parents to give me aspirin, not knowing I'm deathly allergic to aspirin. Oh, my. The doctors pumped my stomach as much as they could, but the trace amounts of aspirin that were left in my system caused physical deformity. And as a result, I have one leg that's two inches shorter than the other. I have one leg that looks like a peg leg. And I have a foot that's deformed. It looks like the Asian women whose feet have been bound so that they don't grow any bigger. And because Mm -hmm. of that, every step I take every day is filled with pain. And it's caused a misalignment in my spine, which also causes physical pain. But we're not here just to talk about physical pain. I've also endured emotional pain through going through clinical depression and anxiety, We've gone through job loss. My husband and I have dealt with cancer on multiple occasions. We've dealt with relationship pain as well as the spiritual pain that comes about when we have faith in God. We know God can heal. And yet we're left wondering, if you can heal, why aren't you? And what does that mean about you and my relationship to you? And Jill, this book was different than all my previous books because my previous books were written looking in the rearview mirror of what I've learned. Mm. But this was written in the crucible of pain as I'm crying out to God saying, I don't know what to tell them. I'm still in pain. You haven't healed me yet. But it was a beautiful partnership because it meant I had to be wholly dependent on him which I think is one of the beautiful byproducts, if we will allow it, that can come out of our seasons of pain. Yes. Yes. I 100% agree. 
And um, I, like you, um, been through a lot of pain, relational pain. You know, I talk very openly about what happened in our marriage. Uh, we've uh, dealt with parenting pain. I've seen, you know, we have a child that uh, is uh, deals with addiction, and that is very painful to watch. Uh, so, yeah, all aspects of pain cause us Honestly, they cause us to either run away from God or run to God. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things, though, that we tend to do is we usually have like a default response. And that default response may come from our upbringing. It may come from our past experiences. It may come from even lies we believe about ourselves. What would you say about kind of the default response that sometimes we have when it comes to pain. This is why I tell my patients that it's so important that we know what we believe before the crisis hits, because that is going to be our go-to response. So if we grew up in a home where when crisis hit, conflict and chaos took over, that may be then our default for how we respond as adults. If we grew up in a home that gathered around and circled in prayer and trusted in God, we're more likely to have that as our go-to. But truthfully, you you spoke to it, Jill, when you said so often it's during these painful times that the enemy gets his way in there and whispers things like, if God really loved you, this would never happen. Or if mm-hmm. God could really heal, he would have healed you by now. Or maybe this is because God is punishing you. But if we stand on God's word and we know how to do that before the painful crisis hits, we're in a better position to fight proactively. So it's important that we really know where our foundation lies because otherwise we're going to look at other maladaptive coping mechanisms. That's where we see people going into addiction or depression or anxiety or being a shopaholic or a workaholic. And all of those are not going to bring the healing or the peace that we so long for when we hurt the most. Right. Right. You know, it's uh, interesting because I recently, my husband and I were talking about this very thing of like how your ha- your family handled things. And as a child, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and my mother always had, well, my parents subscribed to um, Guidepost Magazine. And Guidepost Magazine has this one, uh, per- I think they still do. I haven't seen a Guidepost in years, but uh, they have this one column called His Mysterious Ways. And it, it always was kind of a God story. And then all of the stories throughout Guidepost was, you know, our, our stories about God coming through, God being there, really the character of God, him being active in our lives. And when it came to walking through the painful situations in life, I really, I feel like that even even though it was, there was lots of spiritual foundation for me, that piece I had not recently thought about. I had not thought about until recently how much that piece played out in my life. Those lessons that we learn in childhood are so formative. 
but we often don't realize that that's what we're falling back on. The patterns that were emulated, the attitudes that were presented, even the words that were spoken. I grew up in a home with a mother who was depressed my entire childhood. And so she looked at everything through a glass empty <laughs> lens. And so I carried that into my marriage and I had to learn to fight back against that because that was not healthy to me or my marriage or my children. Yes. Yes. And that's very similar to my husband's upbringing as well. And that has been a place that he has uh, struggled with some of those messages because you, like you just said, you'll fall back on those ways. But the truth is sometimes they're not telling you the truth. Right. Absolutely. And so we have to we really have to battle that. You know, my husband um, has uh, dealt with for the past many months has it been almost 18 months. He's had no vision in his right eye because last year he had four detached retinas. And then once they finally got the retina to stick, the cornea has been damaged. So he's about uh, nine days out from a cornea transplant. And probably by the time this airs, he will have already had that transplant. But uh, he, uh, what, he has really had to work through, A, the physical pain of that, but the messages that, you know, what you were talking about earlier, why hasn't God healed me? Uh, I've I've heard about other people have experiencing healings. Why hasn't he healed me? And all of those kind of messages. And you have to keep going back to the character of God and God's truth, don't you? We do. And we have to take a real good introspective look at what our theology is. And does it really line up with what God's truth says? I brought a very faulty theology into my adulthood years because my father was a workaholic and he died at 42. I took over that tendency my mother was depressed and from another country, so she couldn't work. So I took it upon myself to be provider, which wow. God never asked me to do. At 16 years old, I cleaned houses and I mowed lawns and I babysat children and anything I could do. But I brought the theology then into my marriage so that when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, I thought, God, I'm, I'm working for you. So you should be preventing these things from happening. And that's not scriptural. Jesus says in this life, you will experience trouble. But in my head, I thought, well, the more I do for God, then the more likely, A, he's going to love me and B, he's going to protect me from any more heartache. And that's just not in the Bible. Right, right. And the same idea also where people feel like their pain and suffering is due to unconfessed sin or not praying enough. Uh, there's so many ways that we skew the perspective. And and when you really look at God's word, it doesn't say anything about that. No, Job and I have spent a good two years together. And in the <laughs> beginning, I didn't really like Job. <laughs> and I didn't really like God's response to Job, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. But I take such encouragement from Job's story because the very first verse in chapter one says Job was blameless and upright. 
And then we see God telling Satan, well, have you considered my servant Job? So Job didn't do anything to experience the physical pain, the emotional pain, the relational pain, the secondary pain inflicted by his friends, or the spiritual pain or financial pain. So when people say things like, well, you must have unconfessed sin in your life, or you've done something to displease God, or you're not praying enough, or you haven't taken supplement A, B, and C and tried therapy X, Y, and Z, I think, have you have you ever heard of Job's story? Because he was blameless, and God still allowed it yes. to happen. God did not cause it, but he allowed it. Oh, that oh, that is so very important. And there's a big difference. Yes. Yes. And when we will then allow God to work his will and his way, our God cannot be anything but redemptive. And because of that, he will bring good out of our circumstances. But the question is, are we going to blame God or are we going to trust God and wait on his perfect timing and his perfect plan, which is generally not ours because we live in such a pain averse society. We want God to have taken it away yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Michelle, what have you found are the ways that God uses pain in our life? Uh, it redeems pain what have you found are some of the reasons that he would allow for pain? Because really, if he's going to allow for it, it has a good, it has something good for us. One of the basic ways, Jill, is that pain alerts us to something wrong. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't experience physical pain, even emotional or relational pain, financial pain, potential danger would catch us unaware. I've had patients who are lacking pain receptors mm. and their body then doesn't alert them. So a child who doesn't have those pain receptors is likely to touch the hot stove and not realize they've just burned off all the skin on their hand. So pain alerts us to, mm, there's something not right here. But pain also teaches us how very little control we have in this life. Hmm. At the root of fear is generally our desire to maintain control. control. Of our <laughs> yep. But it's helpful to learn we really control very little, but God can control everything. And it teaches us God's desire for us to be dependent on him. Jill, if I've not gone through all of these painful trials and circumstances in my life, I know when life is going really well, and I have a good relationship with God, but when life is going really well, I have a tendency to put God on the back burner and go, I got this one, God. I'll let you know when I need you. Mm -hmm. And and then I'm my, my worst enemy because I I am not in control of things and I'm not looking for his perspective and his wisdom and his direction. But I'm also grateful for many of the painful trials now that I can look back in the rearview mirror of life because it has shown me just how good it is to be dependent on God. Mm -hmm. And I think he's so redemptive because when he brings us through something, 
the comfort that he has given us allows us to comfort other people in similar circumstances. Had I not gone through clinical depression, I wouldn't have been as compassionate or empathic of a doctor. But having gone through it changed everything. Hope Prevails would have been a very sterile and clinical book that nobody would have wanted to read. But now people read it and they think she gets it because she's been there. And I wouldn't ever want to go through it again. But now I'm at the point where I can say, thank you, God, that you allowed my pain to have a purpose to help other people and point them to you. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, and I'll share a similar message as well, because, I mean, it's really become our life's work. The pain that we went through in our marriage has now become our life's work. But it doesn't have to be that big of a a uh, platform that you stand on. You and I have written books and you know we have this opportunity to to share maybe with a bigger audience. It can be just as important and just as effective to sit across having a cup of coffee with someone and to let them know that you understand. That I, you, sometimes you care. the biggest impact is that one-on-one. When I was so deathly ill and on bed rest and on home IVs, I was bruised from my wrist to my shoulder. And when doctors finally released me to start back in my private practice on a very part-time basis, the first patient I saw that day, I had long sleeves on and had undone the home IV. And she walked in and she was bruised from her wrist to her shoulder. And she told me about her very complicated medical case. And she said, I'm not sure I want to go on living. And I felt like God said, show her. Mm. I know, Jill, if you have ever argued with God, but in my head, I'm arguing with God, like, do you realize this is mental health? Like, we're supposed to be a blank slate for our patients. But it was a knowing. I just felt like God was saying, show her. Yeah. Okay. So I rolled up my sleeve. I showed her my bruised and battered arm, and she just started to weep. And I said, I think you are here for a very specific purpose today. I want you to know you are seen you are loved, you are cared for, and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it is not over. And she wept. And then finally she whispered, she said, it's the first time I've felt seen in my pain. Ah, that meant so much to me. That was worth the five months of bed rest and emergency surgeries and everything because she needed hope. And I could point her to the hope in Jesus because I'd gone through it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, what a beautiful story. And you really had to, uh, you know, you have those moments where you had to battle what you know is best practices in in your, you know, career. Yes, exactly. But God doesn't usually work with best practices, does he? (laughs) 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 just <laughs> now i knew it was him because i was like you have got to be kidding this is not my own thought <laughs> yeah oh i love that and i love that you were obedient to it i really do um and that it was exactly what she needed that's you know when we learn to listen to the holy spirit we we have to trust that he knows things that we can't and and that's scary 
I know you tend to be, uh, you like to be private about your pain and your story and, and that kind of thing. I mean, you've been open about the pain, but specifics you've been pretty private about. Um, and I think that oftentimes uh, people will really battle. I don't, I don't want to share. I don't want to share with someone. Um, and But when we have moments like that, where God says, I need you to share, we have to have the courage to to trust him and believe him. And part of that is because I work with people in pain all the time. I have noticed a tendency for people to compare their pain to mine and say things like, well, this is nothing compared to what you're going through. Mm. And there's no place for comparison. The fact that I'm in pain does not invalidate your pain experience. And the fact that you are in pain does nothing to minimize mine or discredit mine. And so it's been a process of of listening to the Lord. How much do I share so people can relate? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, creating space for others to know that their pain is just as important to God as mine. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. One of the things that you uh, that you say in your book, The Hem of His Garment, is the fact that God is big enough to handle our emotions and our questions. And so talk a little bit about that, because I think sometimes we're hesitant to get raw with God. And I was for decades. I grew up in a particular church that led me to believe that I couldn't question God, that Mm. I couldn't share the truth of my emotions with him because he was just this judge in heaven with a long white beard and a gavel waiting to hit that desk and say guilty. And Mm. so I had a very inappropriate relationship with God where I thought he's just going to be mad. But then I looked at Job and realized Job finally got so fed up that he railed against God and God did give him a bit of a tongue lashing, but it was for the purpose of not saying, Job, you are in the wrong, but saying, Job, you have a very limited understanding of the vastness of my authority and what I'm able to do. And I looked at that and realized you know what? God gave us our emotions. We have to be careful not to be ruled by our emotions, but he did give us anger and joy and pleasure and delight and confusion and frustration. But it's okay to bring our honest emotions and honest questions to him and say, I I don't understand. I feel like you've abandoned me. How come when I need you the most, you seem the most silent? And how come you say you love me, but this doesn't feel like love? And I know you can heal, so why haven't you? And what I've learned is in those questions, God doesn't always answer the questions we ask, Mm -hmm. just like he didn't for Job, but he does reveal what we most need to know. And that's Mm. become good enough for me. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I see that. He he kind of shines a light on the next thing that we need to understand the basic of what we need to know. Yeah. And there have been times when I was hesitant to be so honest, 
But I finally got to the point where the pain was all consuming that in my desperation, I cried out and I sensed God saying, well, it's about time. I've been waiting for you to talk to me about this. (laughs) And it wasn't him who pulled apart. It was me who pulled back. Mm -hmm. He was just waiting for me to say, I need you. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. And I, you know, I mean, again, this comes back to what you talked about earlier on, and that is our theology. When we have a skewed theology, a skewed picture, and whether that is because we've come from to our own conclusions, um, or whether that is because we grew up in a church that, uh, that maybe, uh, sent some unintentional messages that we internalized, uh, We it, it really is important for us to examine what it is that we believe. And I know, particularly for my husband, you know, when he realized he had some skewed perspectives about God, he was like, I need to get to, the, to know the God who is, mm-hmm. not the God who I thought he is. And so he began to really dig into God's word to figure out, who are you, God? I don't really even know that I know you. And I think it's our pain that so frequently is the precipitant to searching for those answers. When life is going well, God's up there somewhere doing his thing in Africa or Cambodia or whatever. But it's in that crucible of pain where we go, I need help and I need to know what you really stand for. Mm -hmm. And he says, great, let me teach you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where's it? So if somebody has hardly opened a Bible, that's just not been a part of their world, but they're in pain and they want to know where to start, where would you, what would you tell them to do? I would tell them to go to the story. It's in three of the Gospels of the woman with the issue of blood. And the reason is because it doesn't matter what kind of pain you are going through. This woman endured chronic pain for 12 years. And it wasn't just physical, although I'm sure she had physical pain because of her condition. But she had emotional pain. She had relational pain. She was ostracized from the rest of her community because she was considered unclean. We know she had financial pain because scripture said she spent all of her money going to doctors and just got worse. I would imagine there was some spiritual pain going, God, I I hear about you and I hear that you can heal, but 12 years, I've been waiting. Where are you? And then there's secondary pain that I'm sure she endured. And secondary pain is that pain that's inflicted by the words of others, kind of like, You must have unconfessed sin in your life. And secondary pain inflicts guilt and shame and condemnation on the person who's already in pain. So it just makes it worse. And she probably experienced grief and loss, not just from losing her livelihood, but what about losing the hopes and dreams? And so I suggest that your listeners go and look up that story and they read it because what is so beautiful is that she sought out Jesus for physical healing. But in that momentary exchange that couldn't have even lasted five minutes the way it's recorded in scripture, Jesus not only gave her physical healing, but he gave her back her worth, 
Jesus called her daughter. She is the first person in scripture that we read of, of Jesus calling daughter. And by calling her that, he reestablished her worth. He reestablished her dignity. He gave her a future and a hope when he said, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. And then he gave her a beautiful testimony of an experience that she encountered with the Savior and none of which she would have had had she not gone through that painful trial. And so that story has given me so much hope because it doesn't matter what kind of pain you're in, Jesus has got healing for you. And when we look at healing in the Bible frequently, when Jesus went to people, he healed them like the lame man. Mm -hmm. But when she went to him, she got so much more than she even knew that she wanted or needed. And mm -hmm. I just think that's just our God who does more than we could ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes he brings us a healing we didn't know we needed. Yes. Even if it's not the physical healing that we've longed for. And so, because there are so many places of pain in our life, it's sometimes we miss that because we're praying for it to look a certain way. And if we don't have a little bit more of an open mind about it, then we'll miss that he's actually healing in a different way. And that's what's beautiful is that we know from scripture that God never withholds anything good from his children. So if we are not receiving a particular type of healing yet, it's probably because he's working on another area that he knows is more important in the immediate. Mm -hmm. And it may be restoring your relationship to him or with other people, or healing emotional wounds, because mm -hmm. emotional wounds can lead to physical ailments. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to remember that God knows what's best, and he's not withholding to be punishing. It's because he's working behind the scenes. It's like all we can see is the knotted up back of a tapestry when he's weaving his beautiful artistry on the tapestry of our life. But it's also really important, Jill, that we are focusing on the healer more than the healing. Yes. Because we can make healing an idol. And yes. And God's not going to stand for that either. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Well, before we bring this to a close, Michelle, will you um, talk a little bit? You you said that there are some suggestions of um, that for somebody who's in pain, no matter what kind of pain it is, some things to do and some things not to do. Can you just uh, move into the practical here and help us to know some of those things to do and not to do? Yeah, let's talk about the things not to do first. First of all, I would say don't live in regret. Pain has a tendency to make us look on what used to be and makes us want that. But that's going to prevent us from moving forward into what God has for us in the future. To the degree that it's possible, and I know that this is not always possible, but when you are enduring great pain, try to avoid making any big decisions. Mm -hmm. Because when we're in pain, we have a greater tendency to make decisions based on our emotions. And our emotions, while they are helpful at times, are fleeting and we can't rely on them to make long-term decisions. And also, please don't isolate. 
that is what the enemy of your soul wants you to do. He wants you to isolate from other people who can support you, and he wants you to isolate from God. And loneliness just ramps up the pain factor exponentially. Yeah. And also, don't give up. I know that when you're in the depths of pain, any of those types of pain, it is tempting to say, I just, I can't go on anymore. But I want you to think of it in terms of you're digging out from a hole and you could be just so close to that victory and your freedom. And if you give up, you miss out on the blessing that God has waiting for you. Yeah. But in terms of things to do, for one thing, live one moment at a time. Pain makes us project into the future that life is always going to be this way. And what if I never get my healing? And focusing on the negative like that just makes the pain seem so much worse. So live in the moment. There were times when we were going through cancer that people would say, I know you're probably just taking a day at a time. And I would look at them and go, are you kidding me? I'm taking five minutes at a time and then asking God to get me through the next five minutes. I can't think about the whole day. So take a moment at a time. Yeah. Please get prayerful support. My friends and supporters know that if I put a yellow hard hat on my social media, it means the pain is so bad, I cannot go on in my own strength and I need people to pray. For you, getting prayerful support could look as simple as texting three friends SOS, nothing else. But that SOS or that 911 says to them, would you please pray? Because I don't even know what to pray right now. I'm hurting so bad. People want to know what to do. And if you let them know how they can help, usually they want to. Yep. But we were talking about secondary pain and the pain that can be inflicted by the words of others that can sound condemning and shameful and guilt-ridden. In your pain, try to extend grace to others. Because what I've learned on this journey is that even though our paths may be similar, they're not the same because we come from different backgrounds, different theologies, different perspectives and attitudes and experiences. And so even two people going through cancer, they can't fully know what the other person is going through. So extend grace when people make the mistake of saying things that are hurtful or demeaning. I tend to think people want to help. And sometimes they say really unhelpful things because they don't know what else to say. And so they're filling the space. So extend grace to them. I know I've said the wrong things before. And so I've needed people to extend grace to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I would also say, seek someone to serve. Because when we are in pain, we tend to get very self-focused and we can get cynical and critical and depressed and despair. But scripture talks about those who refresh others will be refreshed. And it might be something like buying the person's coffee behind you in a coffee shop. Or maybe you don't have the financial means, but you can thank the clerk at the grocery store for showing up to work today so that you could get your groceries. Or if you're at home and can't get out, you can still send a text message saying, I'm thinking about you. And I just want you to know, I just said a prayer for you. And in doing for others, in God's economy, he always ends up blessing us 
as well. Yeah. Oh, so true. So true. And one thing I, I, I wasn't planning on going here, but because you went here, I think it is important. What would you say to somebody who isn't in pain, but has a friend who is, what are the most helpful things we can do when we have a friend in pain? It can be so simple, such as text your friend who's in pain and say, I'm thinking about you today. How's your pain level? I just did that about a week ago for a friend who's enduring great physical pain. And she said, wow, you made me feel seen. And somehow that makes the pain feel not as bad. Because what we all want in our pain is to still be loved and accepted and cared for. Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone and say, I'm going to the grocery store. Is there anything I can pick up for you? I can just leave it on your porch. You don't even have to meet me at the door or send a card. I like to send cards to people who are going through treatment or who are enduring difficult emotional or relational experiences just so that they get that smile factor just occasionally to know they haven't been forgotten. And what I have found when I do that is usually it's on the Holy Spirit's prompting. And I'll usually get a message in return saying, I don't know how you knew I would need it today, but it arrived at the perfect time because that's just how God works. But be careful of saying things like, so many people have it so much worse off than you. Or you need to confess that unconfessed sin. Or what do you think it is that God's trying to teach you in this? All of these can can be valid, but they're not supportive and they're not helpful and they're not encouraging. And God wants us to encourage others. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And so very, very important. And oftentimes it is, it's just the tiniest little things. I know, you know, in my seasons of pain, having somebody who would do the groceries and, and she was already going. So I didn't feel bad when she would say, Hey, I'm at the grocery store. Is there anything that you need? Then I didn't, you know, it it like made it easier for me to say yes. And, um, and even today I just, uh, actually a friend had been on my mind and I texted her and said, you've just really been heavy on my heart. And she said, there's a lot going on in my family. And I was really glad that I I listened to that prompting. So I can just say, it doesn't have to be big things. The little things make all the difference in the world. It can be as simple as sending a link to a Spotify song that you listened to and thought, this could really encourage so-and-so. Yep. I have friends do that. And it, it usually just hits my heart so hard because it is the Holy Spirit who's prompting them to do that. And it encourages me as I listen to the words. I'm like, that is just what I needed today. Perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, uh, Michelle, for allowing us the opportunity to uh, talk today about this this topic. I know that it will uh, touch a lot of lives because as you said earlier, in this world, we will have trouble. We all experience pain. Uh, where's the best place for people to connect with you? There's lots of free resources on my website at drmichelleb.com, but I'm also on all the socials at Dr. Michelle Bankson. And I will make sure that we put a link to all of that in the show notes. 
Um, Michelle was also on the uh, podcast with me a while ago. It was episode 91. Uh, today's going to be a good day. Uh, talking about mindset, putting our, our mind in, um, uh, on God's truth. And so uh, I'll make sure that we link to that as well. We'll put a link to the scriptures about uh, the woman with the issue of blood. We will put a direct links in each of the gospels in uh, the, the uh, show notes as well, so that you can link over to it online. You can see uh, what it is uh, the story is about that uh, that she shared earlier as well. Uh, Michelle, would you be willing to close in prayer and pray for those that are listening? I would be honored to. Father, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I know that there are so many of your children who are experiencing pain right now. And Lord, what I love about you is that it doesn't escape your attention. It says that you are close to the brokenhearted and you rescue those who are crushed in spirit. And I think that that encapsulates not just physical pain, but emotional and relational, financial and spiritual. And Father, I thank you that you have given us accounts in the Bible that we can look to for an encouraging word to remind us that you do love us, that you do see us in our pain, and that you do make all things new. So Father, I just pray that for the one who's listening today, who's in pain, would you just continue to remind them of the stories of Job and the woman with the issue of blood and how all you're asking for them is to continue a dialogue with you and trust you and that you will do what you know is best for them, whether it's physical healing or emotional healing or showing them blinders where they may be misinformed about your character. But I thank you that you will not withhold any good thing from them and that they too will have a testimony of your goodness and faithfulness one of these days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.